Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Reproducer. Hello and welcome to another edition of Reproducer, the podcast that's all about the work of radio producers. I'm Jenny Nelson. And I'm Mark Jeeves. And that's the job that Jenny and I do. And when we're not producing radio, we still like to talk about producing radio. And that's the reason behind the podcast, really, because it uh, seems to be a common thing. If you work behind the scenes, you really want to talk about what you do. So here we are. Today we're going to talk to a producer who works on one of the biggest breakfast shows in the UK. He's the executive producer of the Magic Radio Breakfast Show. And our guest on Reproducer today is Brian Murphy. For all the crap you have to put up with, there's still four hours a day that I get to go and ask about in the studio. It's weird. We as producers know what they need to do and know what's good, know what's funny, know what's compelling. Yet we can't do it. I think every producer you get on this will tell you they've worked in studios where it's you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. And I've always said, we're not having that here. So Brian is someone I had the pleasure of meeting probably in 2007, 2008, when I joined Absolute Radio in the music team. He previously, and we'll discuss this, uh, worked at XFM and then moved over to Virgin with the Christian O'Connell Breakfast Show and then worked on Magic. And he doesn't mention this, but I think I should. He did win various awards along the way for his production work. What we're going to chat about in this episode is Brian's career path, his pet peeves when it comes to radio, his tips for dealing with talent, what it was like to have Carl Pilkington as a boss at XFM. And he does also talk about bringing the vibes, which is something we spoke to Mark Lockett about. So I'm just I'm just planting that seed there. And he also says, which I love, why he tells us why he thinks being a producer is a weird job. I think it's worth stating now, Brian does have, let's call it a refreshing cynicism about this industry, but you might choose to call it realism. Either way, we started by asking Brian whether radio was a lifelong goal and how he got into it in the first place. Reproducer. I'd finished university. I was working with my dad doing like maintenance and odd jobs in warehouses and stuff. And th- that's part of how I managed to get into radio, because as we all know, it's 
you need to have um, not rich parents. That's the wrong word, but you need to be able to be able to subsidize yourself in the job. So I was quite lucky that I was able to work with my dad. And then when I got work experience at the radio station, um, it was XFM at the time. They just put out a, a link on the on the show on Do you want to come in and do work experience? There was about 30 of us that came in because they use us as like, you know, a street team or something. But I was able to sort of outlast the pack working for free because I could then at midday go and work with my dad and earn, earn some money. Um, so that was, yeah, basically how I got into radio. That was literally, it was Christian O'Connell that got me into radio. He just did that link on his show and then I went in, did his show, the early days of his XFM show and then I won't say the rest is history because I'm <laughs> history, but the rest is... The, the rest is my career in radio. But you must have like you must have had some sort of interest, or was it just like oh well, this will be better than just working with my dad? Uh, yeah, no, I'm being a bit of uh, what's the word sarcastic. I did used to listen to radio quite a bit, not really when I was a kid. More, more probably at university. There was a guy called Tom Bins, who was like a comedian, and he had a show on XFM. And I remember being at Reading University, and I lived on the eighth floor of this awful hall residence. And you could get XFM, which is a station in London at the time, obviously, uh, in Reading on this on the seventh floor. And I used to listen to his breakfast show. And he was a bit different in that he was just quite rude, would do quite, I mean, it's aged really badly, but he would do lots of pranks and stuff like that. I think Carl Pilkington was the producer on that show back then. Uh, and he was my boss for ages at XFM. Yeah, so that's how I sort of started listening to Reading, thinking that would be a good laugh to get into. But um, yeah, no, this is a terrible thing to say. No real passion for radio. <laughs> starting off it sounds like xfm must have been because obviously it's gone through quite a lot of iterations and management but back then it sounds like you might have got it in like the the glory years or the yeah it was it was a really great place to work for and i was lucky enough that when i started work so i went in basically on the first day didn't know what the hell to expect and it was just you were a runner you would make tea you would um just do all the street team stuff. But I actually, my antisocial behavior probably helped me out in the sense that a lot of people that work in radio are quite, look at me, look at, look what I can do. And a lot of people that obviously, and fair enough, they want to go into radio to be presenters. So they're being quite bolshy and quite, and I was like, Oh God, who are you? All you people I've made a horrible mistake. So when they got them to go out for the street team stuff, they paired everyone up. And I was the only person that hadn't really been talking to anybody or, or, you know, I was just looking at them from afar with disdain. And so there was, there was, it was just me on my own. I wasn't, because it was an odd number, I wasn't able to pair up with anybody. And I think at the time there was rules like you can't send anyone out on their own. So they were like, oh, you can just stay here and make tea. And that was probably the biggest break I got, to be honest, because then I got to hang around the studio rather than go out and hand out baseball caps. And can you remember who the other presenters were who were sort of, you were hanging around with then or making tea for? Um, so it was Christian O'Connell. It was his co-presenter at the time, a guy called Chris Smith, who went on to do Newsbeat and and be Greg James's. I hate to use the word psychic because he's talent in his own right, but you know what I mean. Um, it was Sean Keaveney was the mid-morning presenter at that time. Uh, we had a few iterations of drive time. It was like Ian Campfield. For a while, it was Zoe Ball, um, Lauren Laverne, Zane Lowe. I wouldn't say I was very pally with them, though. I would just see them in the office and say hello to them and stuff. But, yeah, it was yeah, it was quite nice. I mean, Russell Brand used to do mid-morning, not mid-mornings, overnights at XFM around about the time. You see him coming out of the studio quite, looking quite tired and refreshed. And 
at that time you would never think oh my god he's going to be a global superstar it's, it's weird how that how xfm was a bit of an incubator for for talent it's weird i think that's that's the key just get people in who are talented and let them do their own thing really well ricky gervais must have been there at that time as well isn't he yeah yeah he was i didn't really get to see him or speak to him because he would only do the weekend shows um you'd see him come in the office a few times um and but i got to i sort of worked quite closely with carl because he was at the time the deputy carl pickleton was the deputy this is the weird thing he had this on-air persona of you know, oh, I'm Carl, an idiot, oh, you know. And then, actually, he was the deputy controller of the station. He was the second person in command of the station and was, like, he was in charge of um, station sound. So he actually taught me quite a lot. Um, well, I say taught me quite a lot. He, like, I would be like, Carl, how, how do I make a promo? How do I do this? And he would be like, oh, just uh, just have a play, work it out for yourself. I'd be like, oh, cheers, Carl. Thanks very much. But it, that was actually good advice. You know, you just go and have a play and muck around. And now at the stage you are in your career, if someone were to ask you, that person is me, by the way, I'm about to ask you, what do you love about radio and what do you hate about radio? What um, would you say? I hate everything about radio <laughs> uh, and commercial radio. I hate everything about it. I, I rue the day I decided. I always talk about in the office, as you know, the, the career cul-de-sac, I've gone so far down this career cul-de-sac. There's nothing I can do apart from radio production. Nothing. People always say, oh, no, skills are transferable. Not for radio. They're not transferable at all. No, but I, I again, I'm being facetious. Um, I, I'm at the age where I sh- I'm probably the oldest producer in Bauer. So if there's, any produ- if there's any commercial radio producers out there that are older than me, uh, I'm I'm 43 tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow, uh, Brian. Yeah. Happy birthday. That, that, you know that, that haven't just that haven't moved on to management or do a hybrid. I mean, pure just a pure producer. Do let me know because you just don't see older producers, and and that's the reason. That's that's the thing I love about radio is that for all the crap you have to put up with, there's still four hours a day that I get to go and ask about in the studio. And and that's really what I love the most because you don't get that really in any other medium anymore. I mean, live TV is probably planned meticulously, but live radio, you can just muck around. And if you're having a conversation with somebody and that, oh my God, that was really funny. Why don't we talk about that here? Or, oh, did you see that thing that happened in the news that happened just a minute ago? Let's talk about this now. That's why I still like it. But the rest of it, oh God. If you could name one thing that is the low light, the worst thing, not just working in it, but it could just be as a listener. Like, what, what do you just think? Come on, radio, this needs to, you need to work yourself. Uh, yeah, perceived wisdom. Uh. Like, this is ostensibly a podcast about, like, you know, producers. Yeah, we know what we're doing. We know what we're talking about. Isn't it great? But the minute someone says to you, this is what I definitively believe about radio. This is what you have to do. This is, you can't start a link like that. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's what I hate about radio. And me as well. I should never be able to say to somebody, oh, no, you no, no, no. This is how you actually do it definitively. There's so many different ways of doing it. And it's like, I always say it's like horses for courses. Like you can't produce one presenter the same way you produce another. And I think sometimes some producers fall into that trap where they're like, right, I used to write quite a few scripts for this person and I used to do jokes or do stuff for them. So I'm now going to do this for this other person. Whereas that other person might just hate, hate that. So you've just got to work out how to produce people. 
Do you have a proudest moment from your um, career? Uh, not, not really. That's another bugbear I have with radio is like, not everything is down to one person. So when, uh, say for instance, someone wins best breakfast show, it's not about just the, it's not about the presenter. The presenter shouldn't go up and take the award. But then again, it's not about the producer either. It's about the presenter, the producer, the assistant producer, the newsreader, all the constituent parts that make that up. So I, there's something I've really shied away from in radio is like people that try and take credit for stuff, not try and take credit for stuff, but try and try and take more credit. So I hate talking about stuff that you think is good. I don't know. Um, worked with a guy called Andy Bush for ages. And it was quite funny because he joined Absolute Radio. And so there was a guy called Clive Dickens who who took over Virgin Radio. He, him and his um, investors, uh, a group called the Times of India, and they decided to rebrand it Absolute Radio. And he was a great guy for just like, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do this idea because I think it's good. It might put some noses out of joint, but who cares? And he hired Andy when we changed to Absolute. I remember at the time thinking, who's this, who's this guy from, from, from the provinces? <laughs> and they, he put him on uh, in the afternoons there. And because at that time I was, let's just say, a producer without portfolio, he got foisted upon me. And I was like, oh God, what a prick. Why have I got to do that? Oh, fine, he's going to be terrible. And it turned out, because no one really bothered about either of us, we're able to like just do some really good shows. I mean, again, it's all it's all relative. You know, I thought they were good. They were fun for me. And we got to the stage where we were just doing stuff that uh, we thought would make each other laugh for features and, and promos that we thought would make each other laugh. And that was really it. Now, obviously, there is a fault in that because you can become too obtuse and like, I don't care what the listeners think. But that seemed to really work. And I've, those like three or four years I worked with Andy, um, we made some great promos. We made, I know that's a weird thing to say, but that was the f- most fun part. We would we would stay after the show and just do loads of promos, uh, which because was the f- most fun part for us. Yeah. So there was that. That's, that's probably my proudest achievement if there's if there isn't if there is such a thing. And I'm sorry that I haven't like gone into in depth into your career. We've literally gone from XFM work experience and now i'm going to ask you about present day but um in brief am i right in thinking it went xfm christian move with christian to virgin absolute have your what did you call it the producer without portfolio is that producer without portfolio yes yes <laughs> and then you moved over to magic how long have you been working just on magic now uh since 2017 i'll give you a quick pot history so it was xfm as a as a baby producer well assistant producer runner etc over at Virgin um, with Christian. I lasted f- three years with Christian at, at Virgin. Um, I was, um, what's the That's polite word That's quite good going. That's quite yeah, well, the polite word for this, I was, I was burnt out. And the management very, um, very generously decided to take me off the show, which was, which is a good thing. I don't, don't disagree with it. I was just like, you know, when you work, you, you shouldn't work on breakfast for more than three years in a row because it just fries your brain. And then I became, weirdly, I became the head of production despite never having made a, a promo in my life because the two people that had working in the department at the time, they didn't want to give it to those people because they were vying for the same job. I mean, classic bit of management decision-making there. Um, and I lasted in that role for about a year before I was removed uh for not getting on with the sales team which is fair enough and I, I didn't really know and this is brilliant it was the first time 
in radio that I had um, was just terrible at my job or just awful. I was okay. You know, I was doing decent stuff, but like the management side of it and the dealing with sales and the just maintaining a spreadsheet, that sort of thing. I was just, I was just awful at it, but it was, it's very important to fail at something because then you learn, you you know, you learn from your mistakes and you don't do it again. Well, you do do it again, but you just learn how to mask it better, how to hide your mistakes better. That's very good advice. That is very good advice. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Reproducer. Uh, a couple of things come out of that conversation. One is um, uh, you are uh, not the oldest uh, producer currently working in Bowers. Are you, Mark? Are you the oldest <laughs> it's, producer? It's, it's me. I hold that, yeah. I'm very proud of that. And by a country mile as well, so uh, you can sleep better tonight. I'm going to hang on to beat your record, mate. That's what I'm going to do. That's all. That's all I'm going to live for now. <laughs> is, that, is that it? Well, I'm not dying anytime soon. But the the um, interesting how because most of the people who I have got to know in radio just always wanted to be in radio, and so to hear how you fell into radio is fantastic. And and the 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 way that it um, you know your career has panned out. Was there anyone? Outside of the broadcasting on-air talent, which we kind of talked about, and and Carl, you mentioned a little bit, kind of as your, as your boss. But was was there anyone in production who was, was sort of inspirational to you? There was a guy called Roque Cigarde Vieto, who was Christian's first producer, uh, and he was a producer at XFM all the way up until, and then he, like me, um, sort of they parted ways with Christian, probably a couple of years into his virgin reign. And he was the first person I ever met in radio and he was like a force of nature. But what he, what he was also was very generous with his time. And I don't know if you guys ever had this, but when you're starting out in radio as a young producer or an assistant producer or broadcast assistant or whatever, it's quite um, a, I wouldn't call it a hostile environment, but there's a lot of, a lot of people vying to get noticed and to 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 get on the you know the, oh I want to get I want to work on this show I want to work on that show, and so it's a bit a bit I wouldn't go as far as to call it a cutthroat environment but you know what it's like, and he was very helpful to me in navigating that world just to be like don't worry about it just just crack on do your own stuff you can't worry about what other people are doing, um, and he taught me how to edit um, he just taught he had he had a lot of just weird little advice that has just stayed with me over the years. Things like if you do a weekend show, you've got carte blanche to, to use any material, any news material from the week, 
no one knows why you don't you just you just do because it's the weekend you can revisit this story that you wouldn't do on a friday because it happened on a tuesday but for some reason on a saturday and sunday you can do it because it's the weekend just things like that and he just basically taught me everything i, I knew in in radio production and that, that's oh god i'm gonna get all worthy here that's what i try and do with people that i work with that i was need gonna say so is that, that, that's something don't. that you, you you do now actively to yeah, try and help people lo- loads yeah, loads of people don't need my advice, <laughs> but I give it to them anyway. Um, there's loads of talented people, but sometimes if you have, you know, wisdom to to uh, to impart to them, you try and give it to them without sounding like an absolute prick. Are there any lessons that you've learned that you think, yeah, this was a key point in my career. This is a pivotal moment. This is something that I would pass on to other people. What's kind of the best lesson that you ever, or, or the best thing that ever got into your brain, which you then think is now i can pass um sounds a bit wanky but (laughs) there are so many occasions when i was younger and you're in a room where you think everyone's smarter than you and often often they are (laughs) there's nothing wrong with admitting that um but sometimes when like you're thinking that's what are you talking about it's absolute rubbish or you'd have a point you wanted to make and say no i think we should do it like this but you were too cowed or you were like, I just can't be bothered getting into an argument. I'll just go with whatever. I think that's, that's an interesting thing because more often than not, if you think you've got a good point, you often probably do have a good point. Mm. So you might as well make it. I've been in rooms where so many bad decisions were made and, you know, I could have stopped it, but also I just like to watch the the drama. You like to watch the car crash as it's (laughs) exactly as the car's heading towards the wall so that being the case then if you could go back and talk to your younger self so we're, what we're hoping i mean we, we had a conversation before we started recording that probably about nine people are going to listen to this but let's say that there's a tenth person and they're just getting into mm-hmm. radio it, what would be the best bit of um, advice that you give your, your yourself as a younger person your younger self um, be less afraid sounds like one of them i yeah one of them is and the other thing is because of the nature of radio today you know when oh god i sound old again here when i first started out when i first started out in radio um every show would have a producer most shows would have a producer would be or there would be at the very least a daytime producer they'd be you know there was more staff in the studio just for the simple reason you know one of my first jobs was taking cds out of the rack and putting them in the order for the hour but obviously you don't need that anymore mm. because it's all it's all uh, on computer screens um is that not enough producers get again this sounds so wanky i, I talk about this all the time I've, i work with two producers under me who who i can almost they're very good and they're very talented but i can almost see some of their eyes roll back <laughs> of their heads when i start imparting old granddad wisdom and it's it's i always talk about cockpit hours like you know how like a, a an airline pilot you don't say to an, an airline pilot isn't uh, you say, so how long have you been an airline pilot? They don't say, oh, I've been an airline pilot for 10 years. They say, I've got X amount of hours in the cockpit. I've got 20,000 hours in the cockpit. And I consider myself to be a decent producer, but purely because I've just produced so much radio, mm. you know, four hours a day for X amount of years. And you you learn all the problems and all the, all the potential problems that you can spot them a mile off because you've had it happen to you by dint of being in the studio for so long. And I think... A lot of producers these days, and it's not their own fault, it's just they don't get that much time in the studio. Hmm. Okay. I think one of the things that's always fascinated me about being a producer, especially at commercial radio, is the lack of actual training, like coherent academic type training, which, and possibly it's because 
we as we know you maybe don't need it but I think about how I suppose at the BBC there's a lot more official courses about how to be a producer and from my own experience and from other people I've spoken to it's kind of sink or swim a little bit but through your studio hours or your time in the cockpit Brian if someone were to say to you about like what what is a producer what do you actually do what do you actually do all day? That, that, that's a question that will never be answered. That's a question <laughs> that never, my parents to this day still don't quite know what I do. And it's, and it's, it's a really hard one. What is it? What is a producer? Um, who knows? I basically just, in my, for me, it's like vibes. Just, just, <laughs> just create vibes in the studio. That's, but people laugh at that. But my number one thing for the, for a breakfast show um, or, or a show that has, a decent amount of content in it is creating that environment where you're not sitting there tapping away at your keyboard because somebody said something the day before and they're a little bit pissed off with it or you you haven't got something to talk about in the next link so you're worried about that it's just about spinning plates and just just creating that experience where the presenters in the studio feel like they know what's going on and they know what's happening next and um that they're gonna have a laugh do you know what i mean it's it's just it's that's the number one thing and everything else after that is is not as important obviously it is you know you have to get the scripts ready or you have to make sure you get this competition done but that that's the main thing because from from that everything else flows um but to say what a producer is who knows is it do they make tea yes they make tea do they go and get toast yes they go and get toast to the presenters um do they sort the cabs out for the presenters yes but do they also um, edit a piece of audio down from 17 minutes to five without taking away the essence of the interview or in some part, maybe try and beef it out because it's so boring or whatever. It's it's like, it's so many things. It's, it's the most unquantifiable job description in the world. It's, it's a really weird job. And I think that's probably why I love it because it's just so weird. I feel like I remember someone once described it to me as like your part nanny, part, like PA, part counsellor. And it's all about, as you've said, it's like tailoring what the presenter needs. Well, it's what that particular presenter needs because it's not like a one size fits all. So maybe it's sort of more closer to some sort of weird psychology related role or career because, yeah, you're just having to work out how talent thinks, which leads me on to ask, how do you deal with difficult talent? (laughs) I, I have I have a thing now. I just want to make it very clear that the current presenters I work with, Harriet Scott and Ronan Keating, I would happily throw them under the bus if they were terrible and treated me badly and weren't nice people. But do you know what? They're abs- they're an absolute dream to deal with, and I think part of that I I can take a little bit of credit for. I think because I've I've always had this thing. I don't ever. I've been in studios where the environment is is just awful, and I think every producer you get on this will tell you they. They've worked in studios where it's the, the, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. And I've always said, we're not having that here in my studios. Not that it's my studio, but you know what I mean. Um, not that Ronan and Harriet have tried anything like that, but I'm just saying. And I think that's probably quite good for them because they know what the rules are, if that makes sense. I mean, there's some people you wouldn't be able to get away with that for. With You know, if you get a huge star in, they'll, they'll try. It's that, and that's the main thing is not to let them get away with it not to let people get away with that um so one here's one lesson if ever your main presenter is away and a deputy presenter comes in don't make the mistake as i did 
then when you meet when the other presenter comes back and they politely ask how did so and so do then spend five minutes waxing lyrical about how funny they were <laughs> and these bits we did that were funny and it was so funny um because then that presenter will then go and uh be really weird with you for the rest of the week not, may not speak to you that much and then and then make like complain to your boss about some slapdash work you've done that's not really slapdash but he just wants to make a point that that's what will happen with you know maybe yes. not with some presenters but yeah um so that, that's the thing though is that you've got to stroke their egos a little bit because djs in the by their nature are um there's weird like it's weird we as producers know what they need to do and know what's good know what's funny know what's compelling yeah, we can't do it. Or maybe some of us can, I don't know. But we we can't step in front of the microphone and do it for whatever reason. So they have that innate talent that we don't. But with that comes a whole gamut of emotions that we have to deal with. Um, it's it's worth us just having a look at, um, uh, just thinking about the future from you, for how you see it. Because radio, of course, in the time, even in the short time, because you're so young, that you've been in it. You have seen tremendous change as you go through this uh, thing here. So... Um, how do you view radio's role in media in the future? I think it's okay sometimes to say I've got no idea. I, I don't. I've got absolutely no idea because one of my pet peeves is um, radio futurologists um, who tell you what things are going to be like in five years' time. And, oh, them. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's a living, um, and they're all lovely people, um, but no, no one knows. Um, and... It's a weird one. I, I do think it'll be around for ages because it's that thing of it's there. Something's always happening and you don't have to curate it yourself. You know, we all have, everyone thought Spotify or iTunes were going to get rid of radio. And it's true. They've probably impacted hugely on it. But at the same time, you don't want to have to do it yourself. Um, content wise, um, I think commercial radio probably needs to take a huge hard look at itself. Hmm. But again, that's that that's a problem that I don't need to solve. That's a problem that radio needs to solve. But as a yeah. producer, you, you don't think that we, we don't have a role to, yeah, whether it's looking out for new types of talent or whether it's suggesting to management different ways of doing we, it. What's our role? We in that? don't have we we don't have a role because if you look at every every huge media company, and I could be completely wrong at this. About this this could be one of my sweeping generalizations that has no fact in reality but if you look at not just radio just media companies in general or just or companies in general they're usually run by people who worked in marketing yeah. or in sales and i've got no issue with that it's how i make my living but they're always going to be the ones that make the decisions not not content creators i think really in the whole scheme of things so there's no point raining against that. It's just the way of the world. Okay, we're moving away from that then because uh, we'll, we'll, we want to bring this to a close. But is there anyone that you always wanted to work with that you never had? Is there anyone you've ever heard on the radio and thought, oh, Christ, I wish I could have produced them? Um, let me have a think. I... Do you know what? I've been really lucky. I once got to work... This is I've completely not answered your question, but I once got to work with Terry Wogan for about half an hour. Wow. And it was it was everything you think it would be. It was amazing. I came out wishing. I love my father. He's a great man. But I came out wishing that Terry Wogan was my father. That's how <laughs> nice it was. And I think that's that's the thing. 
um you don't want to i don't think you ever want to work or meet your heroes like i think chris evans probably is a is a fantastic broadcaster and probably the most one of the most talented radio producers actually because he started off as a radio producer in the last you know 30 years or whatever but i would never have a desire to work with him because he very much has his own ideas about things and i probably i could i couldn't provide anything for him you know what i mean i would just be there organizing stuff or you know or, you know, getting tea or whatever. So I, I wouldn't have anything to offer him. Um, let me think, who, who would I like to work with? Yeah, nobody really. This is, this is a terrible <laughs> lack of ambition for me. A terrible lack of ambition. I think it's quite fabulous in a way, though, because you didn't really want to, you, you have, didn't have a burning ambition to get into radio. And yet, you've <laughs> clearly been able to bring something that has kept you gainfully employed all these years. And maybe actually that's something that we should be thinking about if anybody's ever involved in hiring new producers. You shouldn't be looking in the, the usual box. We should be looking elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And that, that's, this, I'm going to get worthy for a second. One of my huge pet peeves in, in the radio industry, although they've gotten better recently, is, is the lack of diversity, obviously with, with race, but not, and, and not, not as many women in god i'm sounding really cack handed saying it's not many women in roles of leadership or anything but also class it's it's an industry that doesn't lend itself to to people from who haven't necessarily worked in the industry to to come into it if that makes sense in the sense that people that do work experience placements or do internships probably really like radio and it's their dream to get in there i think more people need to be exposed to radio that have no idea how it works or or how great it can be to work in do you know what i mean mm. and there should be more things like that available mark did you want to end with those quick fire questions let's give it a quick go here we go let so go. let's see let's see brian if you can uh, answer these at uh, the moment in your career that best fits into one of these uh omg omg uh was when christian o'connell ran a competition called who's calling christian or it's called bounty hunter when he first started doing it it's basically uh you get celebrities to call the radio you print off these flyers you you set that you put the word out like if, if this celebrity calls and then at the end we're going to have a vote you will you yourself win 10 grand so people would go up to celebrities and go please can you call the radio station it was great it was great to start with um but then it got a little bit production heavy should we say in the sense that it, it was you know tipping people off asking pr people to blah 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 um, but in the early days, it was it was I loved it because it, it was you would have like two weeks of nothing, like somebody that used to be in in Grange Hill or something would ring in or, or whatever. And you'd be like, oh, my God. And one morning I was out in the production studio and this guy rang up and it was sounded like a guy doing a really bad Liam Gallagher impression. Like Liam Gallagher had been out on the pop all night. And I was going, oh, right, mate, yeah, whatever. No, fine. Bye. You know, kept kept ringing back and I kept hanging up. And, I, and it was the early days of the internet, I think, and Wikipedia was the thing. And I was like, okay, fine. Well, when, when was your mum born? And then he got the date wrong, or really, looking back, probably Wikipedia got the date wrong. Um, and I was like, no, no, no. And then his mate was ringing up, going, please, please, it is him, it is him. And in the end, I was just like, well, send a photo. It was like the early days of, of camera phones. Send a photo to, to this number, which is my personal phone. And it was Liam Gallagher, and we'd spent the whole morning mugging him off. <laughs> and then we got him on at the end. It was just it was just quite funny. It was just quite a weird little weird little Excellent. story. 
I didn't believe Liam Gallagher was Liam Gallagher. Uh, is there a moment which would fit into F, uh, FFS? Yeah, literally every day from nine to five working commercial radio. <laughs> I mean, I FFS is is the is the I mean is the most uh, three letters I send back to people on WhatsApp or on emails, and that and that in a way, kids dealing with FFS, dealing with FFS moments, is what you need to just turn your life over to entirely if you want to be a radio producer. Learn how to. But that's good. Life. That's fun. It's problem solving, isn't it? It yeah. is. Reproducer. Brian is, uh, I think, he, he's able to articulate everything that we feel sometimes, but are too afraid to say. <laughs> so I think, I think that's what I loved about him. He encapsulated that so well. I think uh, I'd like to be produced by him. What I came away from thinking, if I if I was a, a you know a big talent like the ones that he works on, I'd like to be produced by Brian because I think you'd get a really honest, straightforward, but you know, really you know, someone who's on your side. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you for listening to our chat with Brian Murphy on Reproducer. And remember, there are plenty more conversations with some other brilliant radio producers to enjoy in this series. People like John McAnally, who's a bit of a legend in radio production at Clyde One. There's Hussein Husseini, who's the morning editor at Times Radio. And there's Susie Purdy, the producer of Simon Mayo's Drive Show on Greatest Hits Radio. So if you want to find out when new episodes are released, just follow this podcast. And thank you for from me and Mark. Reproducer. Reproducer. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.